Our summer series, we do this every summer, and it is just kind of a, a tour and an exploration through uh, a part of Scripture. We tend to pick a, a New Testament letter. Um, we've gone through a number of different ones. There's uh, a couple years ago, we did uh, parables. We've done uh, uh, some of the miracles as well. But this summer, I want us to take these next four weeks and look at the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians is a, a book that's written to a church in, in Colossae, and it wasn't a wild uh, uh, church, it wasn't a wild town. Many of you might uh, know a little bit of the background behind uh, the, the letter to the Corinthians and the Corinthian church, and that was just a wild town, a wild city. It, it was uh, like the, the present-day Las Vegas uh, back in, in uh, the New Testament times. Uh, Colossae was different. Colossae was a little bit more reserved, but it was certainly pagan in its background. There was a lot of, of, uh, of worship to foreign uh, deities, um, to false gods, to idols. There was a lot of idol worship there. And so this was a church that uh, was founded by Epaphras. It wasn't founded by Paul. It was founded by Epaphras. And Paul is writing this letter to this church and, and providing some encouragement. And it's, it's on a different level than what it would be as a letter to the Corinthians. Um, this, this church had been used to worship. It had been used to uh, um, uh, giving their attention to God, but it wasn't the one true God. And so it would almost be like us planting a church in, uh, in say, Beijing, China. And the people who gave their lives to Christ and started attending that church would have a, a similar kind of reaction, similar kind of, of uh, I guess, hurdles to get over as those in Colossae, and those being that it's in, if we were to plant a church in Beijing, you'd have many people who would come to Christ who uh, were former uh, Buddhists, or maybe they were, um, their religion was Taoism. Um, and, and so a lot of this rewiring had to take place, and, and Paul addresses this uh, in this letter to the Colossians. So this young church is, is clipping along and Paul writes this letter, but it might be a surprise to you how he starts this letter. He doesn't start like many of the others of saying, hey, listen, uh, uh, you, got, uh, you gotta fix this and you gotta fix that and oh, by the way, uh, you're messing up here and, and would you kind of get your act together and be correct? No, he starts this letter with some encouragement. And as I was studying this, I thought, my goodness, what a reminder for me as uh, not just a pastor, but as a dad to uh, be encouraging. You know, it's very easy for us as parents to, uh, to see the, the things that need to be fixed, right? Or am I the only one who does that? Um, you can just nod and make me feel like I'm not the only uh, weird person in the room. But it's very easy for me as a dad to uh, look at the, the, the landscape of, uh, of 
things around me and pick out the things that need fixing. Pick out the things that need to be corrected. Pick out the things that, that uh, need to be adjusted. If you would only do this, then life would be good, right? Well, here Paul could have very easily done that, but he doesn't. He chooses instead to provide a word of encouragement. And I think that's something that is a good reminder for all of us, including and maybe especially us as parents. Good job. You're doing well. And here Paul gives some accolades. Well done. He notices that they have incredibly strong faith and he points this out. Take a look at verse 4 of chapter 1. He says, you're doing great. He says, for we have heard of your faith. And when Paul says, throughout this letter, when Paul says we, he's talking about himself and Timothy. They're kind of collectively writing this letter, but it's coming from the, the, the mouth of Paul. It says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the, of God's people, which come from your confident hope. So he's pulling out two things. He's saying your faith and your love. Well done. Saying, add a boy, add a girl. Keep going, keep it up, keep moving forward. And he, he calls out and he says, you've done this from, from day one. From the very get-go, the moment you turned your lives to Christ, this has been a priority for you. Your faith and your love have been overwhelming. Solid faith and fervent love. And I believe it's a great note and reminder for us even as a church. Not just us as parents, but us as a church. How often do we get caught up in the, oh man, we got to do this different. We got to change this. We got to improve this. Rather than taking a step back and going, what are we doing that is honoring to God? What is my brother and sister doing that is honoring to God? What is the person who I, I sit next to or three rows up? In, instead of looking with a critical eye and a critical vision and going, hey, what about, what about, what about? Why don't we take a different perspective, much like Paul, and we say, boy." Had a girl. Keep going. I think it's something that's greatly missing. It was it was something that was it was somewhat of an eye opener for Dana and I as oh whew, 18 years ago now we moved from Canada to central Illinois. Um, if you've been to Western Canada, gorgeous place, great outdoors, it's wonderful, it rains a lot, but uh, it's a nice place. But something that we've noticed, uh, not just when we moved away, but in the successful trips that we've had since we've moved away and when we've gone back, we've noticed that there's a real critical spirit there. There's just a real negativity and, a, and, a, and a, at times even a condescending, uh, just pointing out faults and flaws and things that need to be changed and need to be different. It was very eye-opening when we moved to central Illinois. And instead of having the, the finger pointed at people and, and the, the critical eye pointed at people, there's just such this enthusiasm and joy and celebration of people's individual gifts and talents and, and un, unusual blessings. And it was, it was just like, like night and day for us. And as we moved down here to Texas, the same thing. Just the encouraging spirit and, the, and the, just the, the, the favor that people have for other people. Now, I must admit, it, it's, it's not universal. It, it's not every single person and it's not all the time. And it's something that we have to continue to work toward. I've talked about it here uh, uh, from time to time that even here in Wise County and here in, in Decatur, there at times can be a, a competitive spirit that, that comes in the way. And it saps the life out of that encouragement and that, and that, and that blessing that we, we have toward one another. 
Instead of encouraging someone, we'll withhold encouragement because to, to encourage them would be to make us less, right? Or to identify their gifts would be to take something away from us. And so instead of, of encouraging, we either withhold or we even are critical to the person. And I don't want us to ever to go down that road. I think we need more encouragement, more edification, more attaboys, more attagirls. Not blindly ignoring heirs, but genuinely appreciating successes. I believe for, for too long the church has been identified by a critical spirit and the scrutiny that we have toward those around us. It's about time that we embrace and let people know that with praise and encouragement. We want to applaud them. So Paul looks at the Colossian church and he says, well done. Well done. He pats them on the back. He says, keep going. And then he jumps into a prayer point. He jumps into a prayer point. He says, listen, I want you guys to know what is on our hearts. What's on my heart? What God's laying on my heart? I don't know if you've ever had somebody come up to you and, and say this to you or do this. The Lord's just laid something on my heart and I want to give you a word of encouragement. I tell you, Dana does this to me all the time. I, you know, she knows me be better than anyone. But she'll do that. She'll encourage me. It means so much to me. Many of you will write me an email or a text or you'll catch me after a service or maybe during the week and you'll just say, hey, pastor, and whatever it is. And it's just a, such an encouraging word. This is, this is what I want what God's best for you. There's a, a prayer point. Just this, Lord is saying something. I hope this encourages you. Well, in a similar way, Paul is saying this to this church. Take a look at verse 9. He says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard, first heard about you. Once again, they weren't the ones who planted the church, but they've, they've heard many of the reports about this new church plant that's in uh, Colossae. So Paul, led by the Spirit, he says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and give you the spiritual wisdom and understanding. So earlier, remember, he's, he's applauded them. He's, he's talked about their faith and their love. And now what he's doing is he's saying, you know what? I want to encourage, I want to pray over you this knowledge of the Lord's will and the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So the knowledge of His will and the spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying this blessing over this church. And he's, he's talking about wisdom and understanding, but he's not talking about just superficial knowledge. He's not just talking that they would have information. He's talking about something deeper. He's talking about something that's supernatural, something that comes from the, the Spirit of God Himself. Something that's deeper, something that, that, that resonates deep within this church's heart. Paul is saying here that there would be this heightened awareness this heightened awareness, this, this understanding that goes beyond superficial and starts to saturate their hearts and their minds. I don't know how many of you wash your cars um, on your own out in your driveway. Uh, I do it as little as I, uh, I possibly can. I usually just go pay the money, go through the, the automatic wash, and it looks good enough. Um, 
Up on the west, co- up in the west coast where we used to live, um, you wouldn't even have to rinse. It just was going to rain. You just knew it was, and you leave the suds all over and just rinse it off. Well, something I learned here in Texas was when you wash your car, you have to dry your car or else you're going to have all these white spots all over your car, especially when we first moved down here, we had two black vehicles. That was just death. <laughs> I couldn't keep them clean and you couldn't keep the spots off of them. Well, I, I found this, this thing that uh, was magic. It wasn't magic, but it was functional. It's, it's called a chamois. I asked somebody in the first service, you all call that a chamois here in in Texas, and someone said chamois, and then I said, oh, it's probably like a, you know, it's a French thing, chamois. No, but um, it's a chamois, and some of them are, are made out of leather. This one's not, this one's, but this thing is like, it's like cardboard. It's like hard, because it's dry, and it's that, and first time I got this thing, I pulled it out, and I'm like, what's that? How's that supposed to dry my car? Like, look at it. It's like crazy. But you know what? Well, first of all, like, it's, it's quite amazing. You just kind of go like this, and like, that's not drying anything. Water just drips right off. And as I got thinking about what Paul was praying here, I, I, I thought of this. Because this thing, it, it, it's hard, it's cardboard, it's, but you know what? When, and it's not very useful the way it is. But you know what? When you soak this thing down and you, know, you put it in a bucket of water and it gets soft, it's, it's amazing that as the water saturates it, it does its job. And it, it's, it pulls in more water and then you can, you can squeeze it out. And, you can, and it's amazing how it works. It's called the absorber. <laughs> Isn't that something that... It's kind of like Paul was praying this over the, the Colossian churches. I want you to absorb this wisdom and knowledge. I, I don't want it to just skip off the surface. I want, I want you as a result to be functional because you've allowed this, the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of who God is to saturate you. Amen. Not just sit out on the surface. Uh, there's another illustration I, I had. Um, Dana's dad, he passed away a, a number of years ago. And he was a painter. And uh, I tell you, I learned so much about painting from my wife who learned from her dad. Um, I used to just kind of dip it in and paint, dip it in and paint, dip it in. But she taught me, as he taught her, that in order for a paintbrush to work the way it's intended, it has to be full of paint. Now, not the way I fill it, because when I fill it, it gets all down in there and it's all over my hand. And No, but the bristles have to be full of paint. I don't know how many of us in our lives, we just, we just touch the surface and, and we're wondering why our lives aren't working the way they should. It's because we're not allowing that wisdom and understanding and knowledge of God to saturate deep within us. Just the same way that a, a, a paintbrush is intended to work by having the paint saturated, the same way the chamois is intended to work by having the water saturate it and soften it. Paul's prayer over this church is, I want this wisdom and knowledge, this understanding to soak deep within you that you function the way God has intended you to. It's not just the superficial checkboxes of things that you think you should be doing and, 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 and what looks right. 
No, I want you not just to go through the steps. I want you to allow this to fully saturate your heart and your soul. That you would have a greater and deeper understanding truly of who God is. Uh, we were living back up in Illinois and uh, um, there was a, a factory there. It was a Caterpillar tractor factory and, and they, they made um, uh, bulldozers, they made uh, dump trucks, everything for the construction industry and, and particularly the mining industry. They made these huge dump trucks, these massive things that they, they couldn't assemble them all there. They'd have to assemble them in pieces and, and ship them off and assemble them on the site of, of these, uh, big mine, uh, uh, these big mines. Um, there was a guy who was going to our church. He was uh, an executive vice president. He took us on a tour one day. And for me, I just look at these, these big, huge machines. I go, okay, those are cool. Wouldn't it be cool to hop in one and drive one one day or something? But I tell you, when we got into the factory, when we got into and saw the assembly line and, and saw all of the hundreds and thousands and millions of pieces that went together to make these machines function the way they do. We got to the end of the assembly line. I tell you, this thing was so high tech. They had these, these lifts and these hydraulic platforms that moved and they didn't have tracks and they were all robotic. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. We got to the end of this assembly line and, and there was one um, dump truck that they made that was, big, that was small enough where they could assemble most of it. So I got to the end, I looked at this, and I tell you, after seeing all the components and all the work that went in, I had a much greater appreciation for the end result. And this is what Paul is saying when it comes to our faith, that, that we would understand, that we would know, we would see all of the intricacies of who God is and who His Son Jesus Christ is and what He has come to do so that it wouldn't just be this nod go, oh yeah, that's a dumb truck. But instead it would be this incredible understanding and appreciation for who God is and what Jesus has done. And this is the, the whole premise of this letter. Because they knew religion. They knew worship. They knew gods. But they didn't know true worship. They didn't know true religion. And they didn't know the one true God. That's what they were exploring. And this is what Paul wanted to identify. And this is what Paul wanted to amplify. And So he unpacks this. And take a look at, at verse 15. In one of probably the most intensive Christological theological statements or, or essays that last about five verses, Paul jumps into this and he identifies not only who God is, but particularly who Jesus is and why that's important. And I want you as I read this to, to extract yourself out of 2018 Christian culture that you live in. And I want you to back yourself out and, and take on the perspective of somebody who back in, in, in Paul's day had just left the pagan ritualistic um, worship that they had, had just said farewell to and embraced following Jesus. And I want you with that kind of a mindset to listen to what Paul is saying here, starting in verse 15. He says, Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. You see, their gods were all visible in some way, shape, or form. However, here was the invisible God who Jesus Christ came and and was here on earth in the flesh. He says, He, Christ, existed before anything was created. So Jesus is eternal. He wasn't created. And is supreme over all creation. That's so important. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. And guaranteed, he's also talking about the created gods that they had been worshiping. Everything. Jesus has authority even over false gods. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Verse 17, He existed before anything else. Again, Jesus is eternal. And He holds all creation together. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Again, he is first even over false gods. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And verse 19 is so, so important when you talk about the the divinity of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus himself is God. Paul says, for in Christ all of the fullness of deity, all of the fullness of God lives and dwells in bodily form. That's a statement. It's a short sentence, but it is loaded. He's making a statement there. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus is the Messiah. He came to redeem. He came to save. That's who Jesus is. And this is important that Paul amplifies this to this church that was struggling Yes, they had the, the, the love and the faith down, but Paul was exposing the, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Uh, Romans 5, he says, oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God, who can comprehend just how incredibly amazing God is? Do you tell Paul's getting amped up on this? He's saying you gotta embrace this. Don't just leave it as the superficial water dripping off of a chamois. Let it soak in in stop for a moment and think about it christ is divine it's not just information it affects your daily living it affects who you are what jesus came to do you know there was a a struggle back in jesus's day There was a struggle back in Paul's day. I would love to say we've learned, but we haven't. And the struggle is this, is we get so caught up in ritual that we forget about relationship. We get so caught up in the do's and the don'ts. We get so caught up in in checking the checkboxes. We get so caught up in making sure we're doing the right thing that we miss the relationship that's in all of it. See, in Jesus' day, it was with the Pharisees. There was a story in John 5, shortly into his ministry, where 
There's a man at the pool of Bethesda who was lame. He was crippled and been there for 38 years. And Jesus came and healed the man. He said, take up your mat and walk. You don't think anything of it until you realize that the day he was healed was the Sabbath. There are the religious rulers, as you read on in John 5, the religious rulers who, who would criticize Jesus. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath. He didn't follow the rules. There, there were checkboxes to be checked, and there were right ways to do things and wrong ways to do things, and, and they were all up on the rules. And they completely missed who Jesus was and what he came to do. As you read on in John 5, Jesus goes on to reveal his relationship with the Father and what he'd come to do. He says, I'm doing what the Father has called me to do. I don't do anything without his knowledge and understanding, without his direction. He goes on to reveal who he is. You see, they had it messed up and mixed up. See, for them, it was all about the ritual. It had nothing to do with relationship. That's what Paul was talking to the Colossian church about. It's not just this binary system of switches and yeses and nos and do's and don'ts. Jesus Christ is the living God who came to earth, gave his life on a cross so that you could have a relationship with his Father in heaven, not just now, but for all of eternity. It's about relationship. And you know, just like it was in Paul's day, just like it was in Jesus' day, it's just as easy for us to get caught up in that as it is for them. Man, I love that you're at church. But if church is just a checkbox, you've missed the relationship. Man, I love that reading your Bible is a priority, but if it's just a checkbox, you've missed the relationship. I love that you pray. I love that you talk to God, that you cry out to Him. But if it's just rote and ritual and anemic, You missed the relationship. And just in the same way that Paul wanted so much more for the Colossian church, God wants so much more for you and for me, us here at Crossroads Church. Take a look, verse 22. Paul says in, verse, or in chapter 1, he says, as a result, he, Jesus, has brought you into his own presence. That doesn't sound very clinical, does it? It sounds like he's inviting you into his front room, inviting you into his dining room, inviting you onto his back deck where he's going to grill up some burgers. Sorry, I know it's near lunch. But he says, and you're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. You've got to keep it a priority or else it's going to fall into ritual. It's going to fall into uh, just a system. 
And then he says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away from it. We want more of you, Lord. We want more of you. We want to know you. We want to know deeply all that you have to offer. This wisdom and knowledge and understanding of who God is, that it would change and transform our lives, that we would be more like he wants us to be. Producing the fruit that he's called us to. I'm inviting you to stand and just bow your heads as you do. I just want you to offer out a prayer to the Lord. Lord, that I'd set aside what I think are the requirements of my faith. Not that they're not important. Because your word calls me to live a holy life. Your word calls me to live a different life. Your your word calls me to be in the world, but not of it. But Lord, I pray that you'd help me and keep me from, from making that my idol and that the object of my worship that I've checked off the boxes. But instead, Lord, I pray that the object of my affection and my worship would be you. I'd get to know you deeper. And my hunger and desire and and, and passion would be for your presence. For your presence, Lord. That's what I want. Just a simple prayer. Lord, more of you. And Lord, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I do know that that's what I want. Because I want to be a better me. And I know you do too. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I have some guys that I meet with on Thursday mornings. We've had this group for, I guess, a year or so now. We've, we've been going through this book. And uh, guys, just the guys from my Thursday morning group, just come on up to the front. Just come on up here if there's some around. They're, I know a lot were in the first service. Um, they asked me this week, they said, um, hey, Darren, can we just come and pray with people? That's what they asked. They just said, can we just pray with people? Um, And hear me, guys. um, As we talk on Thursday mornings, um, we've been talking less and praying more. And that's a real good thing. It's a really cool thing. We have this book we're going through and we talk for about five minutes, ten minutes, and then we kind of just set it aside and we start praying. And and I can honestly tell you that that these guys, they're just hungering and thirsting more uh, of God for themselves, but they're praying for you guys too. And um, they wanted the opportunity just to offer themselves to pray with anyone who wanted. And they're guaranteed, I haven't talked to them yet this morning, but I'm sure they're scared and they're worried and they just, they've never done this before. Some of them haven't ever. Um, but I'm also asking our altar team members, I wanted you to see these guys first, but altar team members, if you want to come up to the front too. And we're going to worship and we're just going to focus in on, on Jesus. There's a song that I've asked the band to say. It says, Jesus, Jesus, you, uh, you make the, the mountains tremble, right? Um, you quiet fears. And, and I just want us to, to focus in on who Jesus is. And, and if someone up here, uh, you'd like them to pray with you, uh, they'd love to do that. And so we're going to dismiss in just a few moments. Uh, we're not in any rush. We, we won't stay long time, I promise. 
But just take a moment and uh, receive prayer, receive ministry. If you want to kneel up here at the front or maybe kneel where you are or sit, you just go ahead. And in a few moments, we're going to dismiss, okay? But let's sing. Let's worship. I had three words. Um, one was welcome. I want to welcome us to welcome the Holy Spirit here. I want us to wonder. Have that awe of who God is. And then I want that to, to it be expressed in worship. So can we do that? Can we welcome and wonder and worship over these next couple of minutes, okay? And if we can pray with you, just step out of your seat and come on up to the front, okay?